1: Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 342, recorded May 16th, 2021.
0: Today we're finishing off the Voyager 7's Reckoning miniseries, issues 3 and 4, produced here recently by IDW. Yeah,
1: another excellent looking, high quality product, publishing by IDW. But, you know, how good the story is is always a question mark.
0: So. Right. Yeah. Last episode, we were really enjoying the, uh, the first two issues, so mm-hmm. we'll, see. we'll see if that continues in with the, uh, the latter half. Right. I'm always happy to have any type of Star Trek story, um, so I yeah. hope that they continue making new ones. Right. Especially the,
1: uh, the sub-franchises that didn't always get as much love from a comic book publication standpoint. So it's always good to see a Voyager. Of course, Voyager's had more stuff than Enterprise, but... Yeah, Enterprise's had zero. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, it kind of had just a little bit of love with Waypoint.
0: Yes, it had a... (laughs) A little bit of (laughs) love. One little story within a... You know, there was three stories in that issue, and one of them them had something to do with Enterprise. True. I mean, wouldn't you think IDW...
1: Would at least do a, a one little mini series, four issues. Yeah, like just, just to, you just just do to is test the waters, issues. exactly, exactly.
0: I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Well, am I the only one that liked that show? I mean,
1: uh, surely I'm not. I liked it. It wasn't my favorite, but I liked it. Um, what four seasons? Is that how far it got?
0: Yeah.
1: Four so that's—I mean—that's that's one season better than
0: TOS, but uh, a lot fewer than the others. Right. Right. So, well, a lot. It's three three seasons shorter than all the other ones.
1: Well, yeah, three
0: seasons. More that's than the entire
1: half. run of TOS. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Anywho. whatever. But yeah, Voyager and Deep Space Nine got a lot of love at the time with comic books and stuff, and. Unfortunately, Enterprise came out in like when the, uh, at least as far as comic books go, it was dead for Star Trek. There was no nothing. The, the I don't even think Nemesis got a comic book adaptation. So, <laughs> so I, I, from about Insurrection to uh, to the time IDW started doing them, there was really nothing for a long time. Yeah. Well, it was burnout. That was burnout time. Yeah. I guess it was hard to sustain four series at the same time. Four different franchises. Overlapping. Yeah. yeah. But we'll see. I mean maybe now with Paramount Plus and everything we'll we might get there again with them. but hopefully they won't oversaturate it.
1: Well what's good is at least these days, you don't have twenty six episode seasons. Right. Anymore. So you can do a ten episode Star Trek: Discovery, and then right. you know, from that go on to uh, Strange New Worlds, you know, and they don't, and they're not overlapping, but they're like, right. like it's, a, it's it's almost like waypoint. So you've got the uh, ten, nine, eight, eleven, whatever episode runs, and then you can go on to the next one, and uh, or even have a little bit of time in between. Um, but but right. I, I do think that they want to get into a position, uh, CBS, uh, Paramount+, Plus, want to get into a position where, you know, there isn't that... There are big gaps between. There's something for the Star Trek fans. Because, uh... <laughs> I think we make up a chunk of their uh, viewership. Right. Membership, subscriptionship, whatever.
0: Right. So, yeah, I think Disney Plus is doing the same thing with Star Wars, that they're going to mm-hmm. have tons of different little mini series and things like that. So right. And then they're doing it with Marvel, so... Just to keep us, the, the the fans, coming back every week to watch exactly. something. And
1: boy, is Disney in a good position. They got all the Marvel stuff, and then they got all the Star Wars stuff. It's um, yeah. pretty good. Uh, Paramount pretty much just has Star Trek.
0: Yep. Yeah, they don't even have... Well, they have Nickelodeon stuff, so they have like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, if that could ever get picked up again. Mm-hmm. And actually... You know, actually uh, get the fan base that they're trying to get each time. Right. That's a hard one because the kid, the people who grew up on it, don't like the kiddie stuff anymore. And then the, and then if you make it too adult, like some of the movies, right, it turns off parents letting the kids watch it. Mm. And being an adult
1: that never, they weren't around when I was a kid, uh, and then kind of like seeing a little bit of the movies because of my kids, I just didn't think that much of the movies. I'm not going to... I didn't either. So, they're not going to get me with Mutant Ninja Turtles as an adult. (laughs) Sure. Rapidly approaching retirement. So, yeah. But I guess that's probably not their target audience, so that's fine.
0: Probably not. They want people (sighs) like me that grew up with it to then show it to my kids so that they can, you know...
1: Continue on. Exactly. Exactly. You don't want the uh, audience to die off. Exactly. Which is what was happening with uh, Star Trek, Star Wars... Although I think Baby Yoda definitely helped in the Star Wars camp. Oh look at how cute he is. You could sell it to kids. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, no, my my daughter could care less. I mean she's seen every Star Wars, but she mm-hmm. wasn't a fan until right. Baby Yoda showed up and then This is my favorite
1: show ever. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, do those guys know what they're doing. I'd say yeah, like, Guys right. and Gals. Right. Know what they're doing. Woof.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so don't don't be surprised when Strange New Worlds introduces some uh, you know some baby Yoda type ripoff. Oh, <laughs> it's a little baby Tholian and a new oh. member of the crew, exactly. A Tholian,
1: okay, <laughs> like uh, like season five,
0: right? Comic right. book season yeah. five, or okay. they could just bring in a you know a Tribble. <laughs> Anyways, we are off in the weeds. you want to yeah, talk about these, the these comic books? Yeah, let's come
1: back to the, to the Voyager comics. <laughs> yeah, so right. it, it was nice that it wrapped up. Four issues. It definitely didn't need to be any longer than four issues.
0: But the ending did seem abrupt. It was just like, it ends. And it's just like, I mean, yeah, it feels like the last issue is just them talking about the ending and not necessarily showing you anything. I, I don't know. I really felt like I was left wanting in a bad way as far as these, these issues go, that I needed something other than what we got to satisfy the story as a whole.
1: Yeah. Well, I definitely got a Spartacus feel for the story, like underlying, like a Spartacus kind of thing. And, of course, you know what happened to Spartacus, so I don't want to spoil anything if mm. you haven't read the books, but it followed that arc. I've never watched and Spartacus. End,
0: I feel like you you've spoiled Spartacus for me. Nah.
1: <laughs> if you haven't watched Spartacus by now, uh, I'm sorry. Spoilers are not allowed. Yeah, what? 1960 or something? I mean, it's an old movie.
0: The only thing I know is Kirk Douglas stands up and says, "I'm Spartacus," and then everybody else Kirk stands up Douglas and says, "They're Spartacus," and I am Spartacus. I assume that works out well for him because that's all I know. <laughs> so, eh, uh, not in the end. Hmm. Interesting. I don't yeah. know.
1: Did you ever see that William Wallace movie, Braveheart?
0: Yeah. It's well, kind of the same thing. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Although, uh,
1: I'll definitely say, <laughs> that was a bit more graphic what happened to Mel Gibson. But...
0: I assume that after everybody said, I am Spartacus, then that's when Kirk Douglas went off screen. and Kirk Douglas. Why do you keep saying that? I'm, that's, that's my pretty, impression of him. That's who it was, right? Yeah, it was Kirk Douglas, yeah. Okay. Of course, of course.
1: Tony Curtis. You
0: were going to say, like, oh, no, that was really Charlton Heston or something.
1: No. I mean. no, 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 That that's just my lame impression of Kirk Douglas. Uh, okay.
0: Anyways, shall we uh, talk about this issue? Let's do it. <laughs> All
1: right. Yeah, so it's good. The rebellion continues, and we'll see what happens to it, eh? So I'm doing the first one, issue three first one for the day. And this one's titled Symphony for the Damned. I like how they have titles. A lot of miniseries don't have issue titles. Published date January 2021. Writer Dave Baker. Art by Angel Hernandez. Colors Rhonda Pattison. Letter Neil Yataki. Editor Chase W. Morotes. We got covers. Oh we got covers. We got three covers. So, cover A presents seven stone-faced and holding a phaser rifle—one of those compression Voyager phaser rifles, which you only see on Voyager—as if on guard duty, with Grieb behind her on a raised platform, smiling and fist-pumping with glee. A crowd of celebrating Vesh are cheering on their leader, Grieb. This covers by Angel Hernandez. Cover B is a stock photo of Chakotay from the TV series. It looks like he's in his uh, first officer's chair on the bridge. Retailer Incentive Cover features a side-scrolling video game theme, with four rows of various characters mostly fighting. The top row shows Janeway, B'Elanna, and the Doctor following Septa. The second row shows Tuvok pointing a hand phaser at Vesh, with Neelix holding a Batlith, oddly enough, and Chakotay holding a phaser rifle behind the Vesh. The third row shows Seven holding up her hand to two guys from the Voyager crew pointing hand phasers at Grebe. The fourth row is uh, cut off, but it kind of looks like two of Voyager's crew pointing phasers at a Vesh. And this covers by Jeffrey Vrege. Vrege? 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 I don't know. V-E-R-E-G-G-E. Interesting last name. In a scene that has become very familiar, Janeway and Tuvok are unconscious on the ground near one another. Chakotay, two security men, and a medic run up to the two senior officers. The medic determines they have serious injuries and must be taken to MedBay immediately. Suddenly, a very familiar-looking female Borg advances on them, saying their biological distinctiveness two seven our own our own. The female Borg is suddenly confronted by a huge black raven flying down towards her with menace. Cut to the mighty Starship Enterprise blasting through a huge swarm of space ravens as Captain Janeway's log recaps the first two issues. The main point being that Seven has become involved in an alien uprising of the working class who are being abused by the ruling class. Cut again to the huge alien spaceship where a crowd of four armed Vesh freedom fighters and one former Borg drone are advancing on the guards of the ruling class called the Khazar. The rebel leader Greb shouts that they are all protagonists now, Seven fights hand to hand with the guards and kills one of them in a most confusing but spectacular way. K'thoom! The tide of battle turns against Greeb and his forces. As he readies himself to call for a retreat so they can regroup, Septa emerges and commands, Stop! She says Greeb is not the Dawnbringer because he is Vesh. She says, She is the true leader and all will be forgiven if Vesh, insurrectionists, surrender now. All will be welcomed back into the fold. Grebe surrenders, but his people all put on a Spartacus and vow to fight on by saying they are all the Dawnbringer. The guards start blowing Vesh away as Seven knocks Grebe to the ground, saving him from a directed energy blast. They fall back to the warp core chamber to regroup. On their way back to the warp core chamber, Greeb stops to do some major soul searching. He thinks he made a grave error and is responsible for the death of many of his fellow Vesh. While he is venting, Seven detects low-level theta radiation streaming from behind a wall. Greeb explains that on the other side of the wall is the Deshas, which holds holy antiquities that only religious leaders are allowed to view. Seven smiles and melts a hole in the wall. They enter and see a huge golden statue of the Khazar Dawnbringer. Seven uses her tricorder to detect a second door into a secret chamber where they find another golden statue of the Dawnbringer. But this one is a Vesh. The Dawnbringer has four arms. Grieb realizes the truths he was raised with were all lies. This changes everything. Seven keeps the revelations coming by telling Greeb that Septa told her about the Vesh secreting a fountain of youth hormone when under extreme stress. It slowly dawns on Grieb that the Khazar have purposely treated the Vesh cruelly just so the Khazar can live longer. They must tell the others. Meanwhile, Make is attempting to fill the leadership void by the assumed death of Grieb. When Greeb and Seven enter the room with the rebel Vesh, Make and the others are excited with their leader's return. Greeb lifts up for all to see the Vesh version of the Dawnbringer and starts to tell Make and the others about the great truth he and Seven discovered. However, before Greeb can finish, a huge detonation nearby throws them all into the air. To be concluded in issue four.
0: To be concluded.
1: To be concluded. Yeah, so that's quite an explosion. Which looks pretty cool, but...
0: Yeah, and there's no, like, to be continued on there. You just turn the next page and it's the free ash can of Deep Space Nine. You're just like, oh, that was it. That's it. I hate to spoil it, but that's basically it. (laughs) (laughs) From a story standpoint? Yeah, the story ends right here, then the rest of it is just, like, somebody telling you what happened afterwards. Yeah, I'm... Well... Yeah, but I like I like this third issue. It was still getting me good, and then the fourth issue to me just really dropped the ball. Yeah. It seemed like they're missing like a half a half an issue. Mm. But we'll talk about that later.
1: Yeah, but you got to know what happened to Seven. because look at the violence of that explosion. Oh, I no, mean, they they're, they're both in scary. the air. I mean, yeah, and the thing is, in the end, she's just human, flesh and blood. Uh, I right. mean, who knows about the Vash, the alien, how tough their skin is and stuff, but Seven's just human, and they make that look like a huge explosion, the kind of thing you're not going to get up and walk away, walk off afterward, so.
0: Right, but not only them, but you've got to assume that everybody else that's there during his little meeting got blasted, too. Exactly. And, and the kind of, statue.
1: Because and, and, the statue's like in his hand as they're being thrown right. back, Right.
0: Well, it's not even in his hand anymore in that last picture. It's, like, flying off somewhere. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like, oh, my goodness. And what about the death? ship?
1: I mean, what kind of hole is in the ship now?
0: Eh, it's just internal bulkheads. Nobody cares. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Spoilers. But, yes. I mean, that's a big that's a big explosion. I mean, you would think there would be some damage, even if you're a little bit further into the ship. But, yeah. Okay, that's fine.
0: Moving on. And you, you would think that these that actually see the statue and now know the truth you know not only what Seven said the queen told her or, and what he's telling them that you know even if Greb and Seven die these, these guys who have now seen the truth are going to champion the fight I mean they were calling themselves the, the Dawnbringers earlier right? so uh, surely this one blast killing these two people aren't going to stop the revolution you would hope not
1: right. and, and by the way this whole revelation,
0: there are multiple
1: huge life-size statues, golden statues around, that show the Dawnbringer as a Khazar. Right. So, they happen to find this one souvenir-size
0: <laughs> Dawnbringer.
1: It's gold, mind you, or at least it's gold-looking. And just because Greeb sees this, one, and there might be other versions of this, the same kind of statue in that room that they find. But it's like, all he has to do is see this one little souvenir-sized statue, and he knows the truth. Exactly. And it's like, okay, well, you know, it could just be another statue. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be the true one, but, you know, okay. it's just convenient that Greed knows in his heart that this is the truth. And it looks like it probably is the truth, but
0: still, and it just seems fo- kind of convenient. Right. I agree 100%. And if it was the truth, and it is so damning to their overall religion and able to hold on to the power, why did the, uh, the 2 arm guys let them keep it? Why did they even take it off the planet? Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you had something that contradicts your whole society, maybe leave it on the planet, you know, when you're taking your little yeah. space why, trip. Why do you need to take that with you?
1: I mean, <laughs> uh, okay. Sure. I mean, why why do you go on your space trip anyway? I mean, is the only reason they went on this space trip so they could treat these Vesh badly to extend their lives?
0: I mean, and that was that was my thing too, because because they say that they their warp core malfunctioned and threw them a hundred years away from home, right? Mm-hmm. Very similar to how Voyager got thrown off. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's never explains why they were taking their space. Sh- was in the first place
1: exactly and I mean, was it a colony thing exactly and if it that. was a
0: colony thing why bring why bring this one statue that you know is going to incite a riot between the uh, the underclass you know what i mean exactly. it's just like right leave that at home <laughs> unless it truly is like a refugee type ship where you're the only people left of, of your planet right then that's, yeah. that's different. You would want to take everything you can. But if you're just a normal colony ship or a normal scientific ship, I mean, why would this be on there? Why would something like that even be on that kind of ship? Right. Lots of questions. Lots of questions. And not, an not a lot of answers.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you were confused how uh, Seven killed that one guy, too, because... Uh, It looks like she just grabs a a sparking box of some sort and throws it at him. Exactly.
1: I I was confused about that. There's at least, like, three little panels next to each other, vertically oriented, where the first one is seven on on her back, you know, laying against a bulkhead or something, and there's, like, electricity arcing out of her, you know, kind of glove-covered left hand down to this thing, whatever that device is, and then... She that catches that fuel on fire, or something. That—that's what appears. It happens, right? So I wasn't—I wasn't sure. What, what, so electricity is coming out of her fingers. Is that what's well, going on? in at the, first?
0: On, but the is... bef- on the page before, that guy tries to stab her with a lance, and mm. she catches it with that glove. So maybe they're saying that her cybernetics were damaged in that catching of the spear. That she then touched the flammable liquid and burned him up i don't know
1: i don't know exactly but it's her hand then there's some kind of device or a piece of metal and then there's pools of fuel where did the pool of fuel come from did they explain that or just happens to be a a, a pool of flammable fuel it just happens to be on the ground right and the guard is happens to be standing in it exactly okay no problem
0: yeah Okay. Yeah. I, so I, I didn't catch all that either. I was I was pretty confused.
1: Yeah, not the most straightforward thing in the world. But yeah, in the end, uh, ignited gas. I guess. Okay. Fine. Whatever. And again, the thing is, does Seven have increased physical strength because she used to be a Borg, or is she just a normal woman? That's something that was always confused me a little bit. I mean, I at times she seemed to be 100% be... normal. Yeah. I mean, there was, that, there was that time she fought The Rock, right?
0: She fought The Rock, yeah. In that
1: arena. Now, she lost, but it's like The Rock is huge, and she's, you know, a decent-sized lady, but...
0: I thought she did have augmented strength. Uh, some, I, okay. I can't, I can't think of any particular situation where she, she showed it, but I, I always thought she did.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, at least they're not leaning on that too much. I mean, right. I mean she's using her brains and, you know grabbing the Gary 7 pen and plunging it into his eye. So, there
0: you go. Okay.
1: So, the whole, the opening shot, if I may continue. The opening two-page spread, at least I assume it's two-page, I've got the PDF, is, it's beautiful. I love it. It's it's a beauty shot of Voyager, gotta love that. They, they've started every issue, I think, with a beauty shot of Voyager. In this one, it's like blasting forward out of a very well-lit background, and it's got birds, black, raven, crow, whatever, birds, like flocks of them, huge numbers of them, and Voyager's blasting out of them. Now, it's beautiful and everything, and and now they've really gone over to the point that they've got the birds involved here, and it's like, um, okay, I gotta refresh my memory on uh, what is all this bird stuff about? So I went ahead and did a little bit of research. You had mentioned, I think you had mentioned that there was a bunch of Raven stuff going on in one of the episodes. Right. So I went back and it looks like it's episode six of season four. And the title of the episode is Of a Raven.
0: Right. Directed by LeVarbert. Oh, okay. If you I go. remember right. Okay, cool.
1: So uh, in that episode, just a really quick recap. So in that episode... She was kind of dealing with PTSD or whatever of being assimilated for some reason. And then in the end of the episode they explain why that was. But anyway, she ends up in the crashed wreckage of her parents' spaceship. Which they use to basically research the Borg with cloaking device on or whatever. How they got the cloaking device, I don't remember. But anyway, the ship happened to be called the Raven, and uh, in the episode, she had visions of a Raven flying towards her. I mean w- what the Raven is supposed to be the Borg uh, I don't know exactly. anyway, so now I know where the where the Raven came from and all the illusions of the Raven stuff here. I still don't understand a hundred percent what the Raven's supposed to symbolize.
0: do you no, no, I thought okay. it was just I thought it was just her her guilt or whatever from being part of the Borg. Okay. And assimilating other people. Ah, okay. So I did not, not remember that. I did not remember that it, her mom's ship was called the Raven. Yeah, I'd I'd forgotten that part.
1: Yeah, there's actually a shot where she and Tupac are in the crash ship, and and there's actually a uh, like a brass plate on the wall with the uh, ship's name.
0: Yeah, yeah, that always uh, upset me. The whole fact that she got. Kidnapped as a little kid mm-hmm. with her dad trying to investigate the Borg and mm-hmm. knowing an awful lot about the Borg when season one of The Next Generation hadn't happened yet chronologically mm-hmm. and uh, they've never met the Borg. So, because mm-hmm. if you remember that episode, uh, you know, his dad has a model of a Borg cube and he's talking about the Borg queen and stuff like that. And I'm just like, nobody's supposed to know this stuff. Right. So, that that has always bothered me. Well,
1: and, and definitely, they, they tried to make it like the Borg were so far away that really only Q's intervention could have gotten the Enterprise there because it's so far away in the Delta Quadrant, whatever. Right. Um, but these people, you know, we were speaking of retcon a few minutes ago. But these people were able to get to the Borg, at least the edge of Borg space where the Borg are. And study them, so... Right, right. Yeah, too, too bad they couldn't come back with some of the information instead of getting all this information and having it lost to the ages. Anyway, whatever. Right.
0: But, yeah, so talking about the opening shot with the raven, I mean, now in that little first first page that's mm-hmm. been in every issue with uh, Seven coming up against the Chicote yes. and the Doctor, yep. it now has a big raven. at the Now end.
1: you finally see the raven. Which is similar, very similar to what we saw in the episode, TV episode.
0: Right. And I've now read all four issues, and uh, this first page in every issue, uh, mm. it still doesn't make sense to me. It's just no. like a random page, and it's slightly different, but it's still telling the same, the same event four different ways, but mm-hmm. it's just slightly different each time. Yeah. And so is and this a dream no of
1: hers? Is this a Dream of Sevens, but they never acknowledge it's a Dream of Sevens?
0: Or what? I don't know. I- I'm assuming so. I mean, that- that's the only thing I can think of, but I don't know why it's being told four different ways, and mm-hmm. each time the the crow has a bigger and bigger part in it. Right. And things
1: get worse and worse for Janeway and Tulak. Right. Okay.
0: But as far as art goes, I, I think everything looks fantastic. These, these aliens still look great. Yeah, uh-huh. a lot of expression on on what would be like a reptilian face that isn't really known for a lot of expression, but mm-hmm. somehow somehow Angel Hernandez pulls it off here.
1: He does. There's some spots where they're firing the, the guards, the Kazar guards are firing some kind of energy weapons and you know just cutting down the Vash, and it's right. like, oh, that looks pretty cool.
0: Right. Yeah, it's kind of cool how their shots look like little circles <laughs> i don't know it's kind of a yeah. cool look
1: it is i mean it almost looks like those little little plastic guns when you were a kid that would sh- shoot discs oh yeah 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 only instead of being little plastic discs they're like little discs of uh energy, right, energy.
0: Slice right through. exactly yeah i don't think a lot of these uh vesh came out of there with all four arms it looks like uh <laughs> Did they actually show in the background somebody got a, an arm cut off? Looks like one guy. Looks like he's getting a couple arms sheared off.
1: Oh man, cool,
0: cool. Yikes! Yikes! But when they go into that first chamber with the uh, the two armed Donbringer, mm-hmm. I really liked all the skulls and stuff lining the the chamber's wall and ceiling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little morbid, but it's morbid it's, and it looks really. cool. And why would you? Why would you do that?
1: Why would you decorate a wall with a bunch
0: of skulls? Again, that's where I'm like confused on whether this is really um, – is this a, like a refugee ship where this is the last of your people and this is some sort of religious ceremony type thing or right. is this just a science vessel that got sucked off into a hundred years away from home?
1: Or are we just not going to worry about it and just tell you yeah. the story?
0: Just <laughs> It just looks cool and we're going to tell you the story. Exactly right.
1: Yeah. So how did Seven... Did I mention this last time? I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time, but... I mean, where did... How did she, Seven get a phaser compression rifle off of Voyager and onto the ship? Uh, did she? Well, she's using a phaser rifle in the in the cover.
0: I know on the cover, but... And is- and I think
1: in the... <clears throat> I think she's got
0: it in the uh, in the issue, too.
1: Yeah, right. There you go. So in the first page, after the two-page spread... Where she's running and Greaves in the front, she's got a compression rifle in her hands. Maybe she had it beamed over. Well, but why would they do that? I mean, you're on an alien ship. You're trying to help them get their engine going. Why would anybody from the crew? Wouldn't they go? Well, Seven, why, why do you need a compression <laughs> rifle? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Just send it over. <laughs> I needed exactly. to fuse a hairline crack in a warp core.
0: I don't right. know. Right. right. So. Or, she, or she has one of those uh, Delta Squadron belts that uh, has the little pattern. Oh,
1: on. that'd be so cool. Unrealistic, but so cool.
0: Was that what it was called? Delta Squadron? Uh, or you're the talking about Mega the, Squad? You're,
1: you're talking about the, uh, the, the, boys, video, the video game, game which yeah. I loved. I loved that. No, it was
0: Elites. elites? Elite Squad. Yeah. Elite. Yeah, something like that.
1: Something like that. Elite Elite Squad, Elite, Whatever. Yes, so they're actually red shirts that are effective, instead of just dying. (laughs) You are a red shirt, and you are actually effective, and not dying.
0: It was a good game, and it was a good uh, miniseries, or I know it was a one-shot, right, that Wildstorm did, set in that that universe, if you remember when we did that way back when? Uh Uh-huh. I think it was like True, True Colors or something like that. You know, I don't
1: remember that that well. (laughs)
0: <laughs> even though we did it, apparently. We have been doing this for a long
1: time. It's been I know. It's
0: like, been probably about five years, six years ago that we, maybe longer since we read that one. Boy, it, it was at back. the beginning. It I
1: was... want to go back and find that one.
0: Because I, I kind of like that. <laughs> I got to read it again. All right. I'll find out what issue it was or well, what episode
1: I'll, it was. I'll, I'll, I can do some research too. <laughs> I've got one last note and this is it. Is Seven fighting for the Vesh and freedom fighters because she sees her assimilated self in the Vesh under domination of the Khazar. Okay, I see my point. Okay, so she's helping them because she, as a human, was totally dominated by the Borg, and now the Khazar is totally dominating the Vesh. Mm. Okay, there's, there's yeah, a break. That,
0: yeah, that's the way I took it, yeah. Right. She just goes about it a really weird way.
1: Yeah. Or, or here's my alternate one. Or is the Voyager crew dominating Seven and being as oppressive as the Borg were to her? The next and final issue has an interesting first page, which at this point I did not fully understand what the writers were trying to get across. Okay, well, there you go. That's my last comment. <laughs> and I refer to the next. I refer to the next uh, issue. Oh. Oh, this is the one with okay. So this is the next opening one with the birds and the and Janeway's on the ground. And okay, so there you go. So, oh, Mike, uh,
0: I didn't follow any of what you just said. Kim.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just went even further just to say, well, is somehow the Voyager crew being oppressive to her? I
0: so, don't think so, but I, I don't think that uh, they're not. I don't think she's telling them the whole story, so... Well, she's not. They can't but, help her if she doesn't know, if they well, don't exactly. know.
1: But they have a feeling, they, they definitely all have a feeling that she is kind of going off the rails here. I mean, they established that in the second issue, I think. Right. But she won't tell about it, so they're letting her go with it, giving her some, some lead, some rope with which to hang herself. But anyway, it just seems like she's also kind of striking back out of the crew. So, she isn't 100% part of the crew yet. It's, it's been recent enough that she's had the implants taken out and stuff. That right. in this story, she's not 100% part of the crew yet. So, she's still kind of transitioning the Borg, you know, being a Borg and, and, and trying to find her humanity. So, I don't know. Right. I mean, at times it seems like the crew is kind of um, maybe not 100% accepting of her yet. They even have Harry Kim trying to pump her for information, being her buddy.
0: Right, exactly.
1: So it's kind of, in a way, it's he'd be looked at a little ooky, but, you know, they're also trying to protect themselves, too. Um, Right. Anyway. Yeah, I I don't know. I I think all that's kind of, I think there's some interesting dynamics here.
0: Right. What I would like to know is, if if I knew Voyager as well as some people do, I'm wondering, is this supposed to take place before that raven episode so maybe this is her starting to get the raven visions even before that episode so that you know kind of retconning that she's been having these bad dreams or whatever whatever this first page is on all these issues um you know for a while even before that raven episode yeah that's good that's a good point so i mean if we knew exactly when janeway got that haircut from (laughs) from that from that time to that episode the raven episode we know that this story takes place in between those two events.
1: Okay. Good detective work,
0: Donnie. Uh, It's not detective work. I didn't do any work. I I should know the answer to that, but I don't. Well,
1: you're uh, you're advancing the theory uh, and proposing a method that we could determine.
0: Yeah. So That's that's good. That's good.
1: Um, It's the sixth episode of the fourth season, which is where she was introduced... So it is possible this might have happened before uh, the sixth episode.
0: Right. I think it's very possible. As long as that's the season she got the haircut and not the fifth.
1: No, I think it's the fourth season. I think they were shaking things up a bit. But i got to tell you, I do not remember exactly which episode in season four that Jane Way gets the haircut. Right.
0: All right. And that's, before a, we move... that's a good thing to look oh. at. Go ahead.
1: No, that's a good thing to look at. That's that's it's good because she's got her. Oh yeah, she's got she's got her 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 short haircut. Hmm. I, I, I think she might have had the short haircut at the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, maybe after the because I think the the third and fourth season had that uh, had it to be continued. So maybe after the first episode of the uh, fourth season, she got the haircut unexpectedly, and then second issue she just has it short. Second episode, maybe um, that might.
1: That or they they come right on the first episode of season four and she's got the haircut already.
0: Yeah, maybe. Now eh, we could always rewatch it.
1: <clears throat> Easy to do. There's right. so many places we can watch it.
0: Yeah. So before we move on, um, we covered the Elite Forces comic book back in episode eight. Oh my gosh! Which we eight. Uh, we published December of two thousand and ten. Oh, that oh was eleven. God. Oh
1: my gosh! No wonder I don't remember. Yeah, it's been a long time.
0: So, anyways, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a one shot. We did it with true colors, which is why I, I told you I thought it was the same one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's two different, two different uh, one shots that we did back on episode eight. Cool.
1: Okay, I gotta go back and read that.
0: All right. So, shall we move on? Let's do it. Number four. Yep. Number four. The finale. All right. Issue number four came out February of 2021 The writing and art staff is the same There is three covers The first one is by Angel Hernandez That shows Grebe, uh tied up and Maybe about to be um, executed And then in the background we see Seven like With her arm reached out Pleading that uh, he can be spared And then Janeway is kind of holding her back And then the second cover Is just the photo cover of Tubak. And then the uh, Retail Incentive cover is by Jeffrey Vergerge. And uh, it's kind of an Art Deco type uh, 2D look. But it has uh, seven inside of a Borg chamber in a regeneration chamber. And then an outline of Greb, like maybe it's this ghost or something, is holding her hand, kind of standing there next to her. All right, so the opening scene... As with all the issues, uh, Chakotay and uh, the doctor are arriving to find the fallen Tuvok and Janeway. But this time it's replaced and it's just Chakotay that shows up and there are blackbirds everywhere. And then Seven arrives like normal, but this time she says nothing and there is a giant 50-foot raven standing behind her. And then we get the two-page spread of the Voyager, but this time it's not the Voyager. It's just a giant flying raven through the cosmos. Seven awakes from a nightmare in the Voyager sickbay. She is informed by the Doctor that she was beamed over just in time as the bomb exploded in the last issue. The Doctor tells her that it could have been very, very bad if the Borg implants and her human parts became out of sync. And he does this while making a weird, like, uh, movie frame... uh, With his index fingers and thumbs. Kind of like a movie director uh, lining up a shot. I don't know why he's doing it this way. He then leaves, and Tuvok and Janeway then have a serious discussion with Seven. Seven tells them about the Vesh and what they're fighting for. Janeway insists that she cannot interfere, since that will be breaking the Prime Directive. Seven tells her that if she does nothing... ...then the Federation are full of hypocrites. Later, Seven is still allowed to beam back to the alien ship... ...to finalize the repairs on the warp drive. She finds many of the dead bodies still lying on the ground where they fell. And then she finds Greb and many of the other Vesh... ...are now fitted with chains. Greb tells her that he is being accused of spreading false stories. And then we see that many of the other Vesh that fought in the last issue now see him as a false storyteller and they don't believe his lies anymore. The leader then arrives and Seven is asked to turn on the warp core. She reluctantly does so and once everything comes up operational, the Queen informs that Greb will be executed. Later, at the execution, Seven tries to plea for Greb's life saying that he can join Voyager's crew and the Queen will never have to see him again. The Queen tells Seven that he must fulfill the end of his story, and he is then executed by being stabbed in the back. Grab's last words are, Liberation is paramount! And then, it's not in there, but I think I heard him say plus at the end. All the aliens return to cryo-sleep, and the ship warps back towards their homeworld. Seven and Janeway have a talk about the events, Seven regrets getting involved and then Janeway says that regret is a very human thing. The end. Meh. Yeah. Okay, so,
1: so it wraps up with Janeway and Seven having a very Picard and Data kind of thing. I think we've learned a lesson today and you're seeming a little more like a human every day, Seven. And it's like, Wow. A lot That's of how you're that way,
0: Uh Huh? What was that? Uh, a lot of Voyager episodes ended that way. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, that was a, an ongoing thing. Right, so okay. J- Janeway was always the mentor to Seven of discovering her humanity, uh, the same way that Picard was towards Data. Right, exactly. Um, so, but it's like, you, I know non-interference and everything, and you know, the prime directive and everything. But you're just letting these people, the Vash, be totally subjugated by these other jerks. I mean, right. it's, their own, it's their own society and stuff, but they're getting killed. I don't know. I, I'm with Seven to some degree, but the fact that Janeway is like, ah, no problem. Uh, prime directive. Hey. I don't know. I, I, think, I think it's just sloughing it off a little too much. I don't like Janeway, how she's handling this.
0: Right. They never even addressed that Janeway was kind of the catalyst for a lot of the Vesh's suffering. I mean in the first couple issues we found yeah. out that the Vesh were being starved because the resources that would have been used to feed them were being sent to Voyager as Warner. payment for fixing the warp core. Exactly. Right. Never brought up. Janeway yeah. takes no responsibility on that one. <laughs> Prime Directive, get out of jail free card. <laughs> Yeah and it's just this issue just seems so weird cuz all of the events happened in the last issue it ends on this huge cliffhanger yeah and then this issue picks up sometime later and then we're just kind of told what happened like oh we beamed you over in the nick of time oh i'm being a, i've been you know tried and convicted of being the a, a false a false uh, storyteller and then you know it's just like all this stuff that would have been interesting to see off screen and we just Getting kind of the wrap up in this whole issue, it just seemed like a wrap up issue. Right. Yeah, I was I was really let down on this issue.
1: Yeah. In the end, Grebe Spartacus gets the knife in the back, and Seven goes back to Voyager scot free and having learned a valuable lesson.
0: Which and it all does. happened kind of quickly. Don't get involved. Is that the lesson? Well, one lesson is she, one lesson is about the the prime directive
1: sucks at times. Well, I mean. Okay, so there's that spot in the, I think it was in Sick Bay, where Seven is actually making the point that the prime directive is immoral. Right. Amoral. So that's an important point. And the definition of amoral is lacking a moral sense, unconcerned with the rightness or wrongness of something. It implies an awareness of moral standards, but a lack of concern for them while you are acting. And it's like, yeah. Okay, yeah, Janeway, you know letting this go on under your watch is wrong, but eh, prime directive, eh, uh, as, a, as opposed to immoral, which is a conscious rejection of typical moral standards and has a connotation of evil or wrongdoing. So Janeway isn't immoral, she is amoral. And, right. uh, and I, had, I had to look all that stuff up because I never could get straight what... What the difference was between amoral and immoral. Uh, but, yeah,
0: I mean, I think she's bringing up some pretty good points here. Seven. Yeah, she is, but it doesn't do anything. No,
1: doesn't make any difference.
0: Right. I mean, it's nice to have a conversation, but then nothing happens. And then she's kind of told at the end, she's just like, I feel bad that I got involved. I should have just let them, you know, live their their subjugated lives without me getting involved. Exactly. You know, it's just like, well, that doesn't... That doesn't... That's not a good story. <laughs>
1: no, no. No, but... Um, let's forget about all those people that are are are, are not well-treated and even die in the case of Vesh or uh, Grieve and some other Vesh. But yeah. let's go ahead and look on the bright side. You're experiencing regret, Seven. That's very... Human. <laughs> like, oh, okay, great. Regret. You're experiencing regret. Uh, apparently Janeway
0: doesn't experience regret. No. No. She's, she's cool with it. <laughs> Amoral. Which which is not the Janeway I remember on the show. I no. Think she would have, if she saw somebody being mistreated like that, she would have done something. I think she takes
1: moral stands like Picard a lot of times. I mean, the whole reason that they end up blowing up the array rather than trying to use it to get, to get back right uh, to the Alpha Quadrant? I mean, that was all... We can't let this happen to other people, blah, blah, blah. Well, just blow up your possible ticket back. Right. And you'll
0: take the consequences. Anyway. And, and didn't she try to free Ocampans and stuff like that when they were...
1: Uh, I think so. I don't remember.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, I mean... And then even Seven brings that up. Well, you brought me aboard when uh, mm-hmm. when I needed I needed a shelter from the, the collective. And she's mm-hmm. like, well, you're just one person. We can't bring everybody on, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm like, so at least they, I mean, I'm assuming that maybe she had permission to offer Greb a spot on Voyager, but I'm not even sure if she had that. She
1: I don't just, think she did.
0: She just pleaded that uh, he can come on board. Yeah. Yeah,
1: she did that on her own. And if it was one person, then Janeway might have allowed it in the end. But still, you got all those other guys just
0: yeah, yeah. Would up. would Greb want to go? I mean, he never says anything while she's doing that. Yeah, I, I would think. I mean, that... even if he knew he was going to get
1: killed, right? Would he Would he still go? Or would he have been the martyr for right. his cause? I think he would have.
0: I think he would have too. And he would have said, "Liberation is paramount." Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: freedom
0: yeah what a, that's a horrible execution stabbed in the back Yep. because that's not going to kill you right away yeah. I mean I guess you got it just right yeah it'd be quick but more likely it's going to take a couple of whacks oh.
1: that and a belly wound
0: right oh you're bringing up William Wallace again
1: Oh well,
0: <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't. But oh my
1: god, what disemboweling? Is that that what it's called? Yeah, that's that's just ooky. <laughs> that would be a bad way to go. That's a bad. If you go on your list of bad ways to die, yeah, I think disemboweling would be right up there. Because you uh, are awake for the whole thing. Great. Let's talk about something else. Okay, let's move on. Okay. That's that's all I gotta say. I mean, okay, my the two-page spread that you mentioned with the bird, yep. flying out of the the bright background instead yeah, of Voyager. The, the
0: that looks great. I love it. But I
1: mean, what does it mean, though? Yeah, I think it yeah. looks great, but it's supposed to mean something, right?
0: Uh, like, yeah, it's supposed to. <laughs>
1: so, what's it supposed to mean, Donovan? In this case,
0: I I think I mean because she kind of wakes up when she wakes up. Uh, in the next page it still has all the birds on her face and stuff so mm-hmm. i'm thinking that these four pages plus this this uh two-page spread here has been her nightmare the whole time or maybe even the last three issues were all her nightmares. were all of, nightmares of, of her remembering what happened right before yeah, she got themed over
1: yeah so she's still trying to get over the um ptsd the uh The, the, the whole life as a Borg, you know, growing right. up. Growing up Borg, great. But, but you make a good point. I mean, this whole series could have happened just before um, that episode 6, The Raven. Right. So they could have been coming... So the whole reason that she was, like, seeing The Raven and all that kind of stuff and, like, like a PTSD incident was was triggered for her is right. that in the wreckage of her parents' ship is some kind of board transmitter or some, something. And it was the signal from that, from the that ship, was that it? was triggering it in her. Oh, okay. And they were coming within range of it. Uh, and then they followed the signal back, and that's how they found the, the wreckage. So mm-hmm. is this is this whole episode where they're just initially coming into contact with that signal? I don't know.
0: Maybe. Yeah, and I know that Christy Golden wrote a book called uh, um, Voyager Raven, Mm -hmm. um, which I've I've never read, but I do have it. But I wonder if that gives even more detail about the Raven imagery.
1: Right. Yeah, what does it mean? I'm sure I could have probably done more Googling and found out. Right.
0: But. Well, while you're googling, figure out why the doctor does the camera hands or the <laughs> lining up a shot <laughs> fingers. He's
1: forth. he's saying out of sync. You you don't want your Borg and Unimind bits to get out of sync.
0: Is that what he's doing? Well, yeah. So his fingers well, and the square are uh, must be misaligned. It
1: I guess is it? But you can't see the full thing because it's kind of a close-up, right? I mean, that's what he's trying to say, right? He's
0: I mean, trying that's to say... what he's saying, but. I don't know why he has to be, his fingers have to be like that. When when he's doing his hands like that, he says it could be very, very bad. Yeah, right. What is your fingers doing that? I mean, it really looks like, you know, when you see, like, directors and movies Mm -hmm. and stuff, they're always, like, lining up a shot, Mm -hmm. when they do that with their fingers. Yeah. And I know that he's supposed to be, like, this amateur photographer or whatever in later Mm -hmm. seasons. So Mm -hmm. I was wondering, is that what he's supposed to be doing? With the largest
1: camera in the world... (laughs) Yeah. Did you ever wonder why they made it such a huge camera? Well, it was a hollow camera. It would oh, like. Oh, was that it?
0: It took like you know, it's like basically a GoPro now, but back then we didn't <laughs> have anything that took three three sixty degree
1: uh, pictures. And it smells. It smells the air and it gets all of it. It <laughs> I don't records know all that. of it. So it can be reproduced a hollow. Right, like Good point. Good point.
0: Hologram. Yeah, that's why it had to be so big. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh. And then he rolls his eyes at one point to Janeway. I thought that was kind of a funny picture.
1: Yeah, his eyes are like... Yeah, his eyes are going up so you only see, the, the like, the cornea. Right.
0: Yeah. He's, like, possessed.
1: <sighs> it looks like he's possessed. Or very sleepy. I don't know. <laughs> With supervision and therapy, she should return to normal within... Oh, return... Return to within... Normal operating parameters. She's such a Borg. I assume that's
0: what it is supposed to be. Yeah, I think that's what it was, too. Yeah, okay. But it's a funny picture. Yeah. And then my last comment is just, again, in the last issue, everybody was fighting, we are all the Dawnbringer, Mm -hmm. you know, and they saw the statue that supposedly proved that the Dawnbringer was a Vesh. And then in this issue, everybody's like, oh, no, that guy's crazy. Mm-hmm. we never believed anything he said so are they just doing that so that they, they don't get in trouble like he is or do they really not believe it? because they kind of planted seeds in earlier issues that you know behind his back they would talk like oh, that guy's yeah. crazy what was that, but Ma- then they did fight with him I mean they fought for him exactly so.
1: right so that, that make guy would saying, hey Greeb's not the Dawnbringer. he likes to but think I'll he shoot. is but he's not
0: and I'll still fight for him
1: yeah. Well, yeah, later on he did. Yeah. And then it but seemed like he... everybody was united behind Greeb, But then when Greeb got killed, it's like, oh, oh uh, 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 I guess we better get a line. I guess. I don't know. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it just seemed seemed odd that they folded so quickly. Right. But I guess that's what happens with when you've gone your whole life subjugated, that... Uh, once it gets rough, you would go back to it. I don't know. It just it's, again, not as very satisfying story.
1: Well, sometimes you got to cut your losses, right? It seems like the guards have the guns, and they've got like knives and stuff. It's like okay, well. right? <laughs> have fun in your uprising when you've got knives and things, and they've got you know staff weapons that shoot light discs that cut people up, right?
0: And and I don't care how good you are at your job. Um, Hmm. Once you start a mutiny on the ship, I don't see you being invited back for the the grand opening ceremony. (laughs) So, you know what? I think we'll get somebody else. Yeah. So I was really surprised that she was allowed back to just beam over and flip the switch and all that stuff. I was just like, I don't get it. I don't get these people.
1: I don't get them. I don't get them.
0: Yeah. So like I said, Three issues, first three issues, loved the story, thought it was going well, you know, this whole uprising. And then yeah. the last issue just just kind of pooped on it and yeah. <laughs> just like well, wrapped it up when it, when it, I don't think it should have been wrapped up.
1: How much Monty Python have you ever seen? Not a ton. Okay. Well, what they used to do is, of course, they had a lot of skits, a like half an hour show. They have a lot of skits and stuff, and it's really funny. Everything's doing great, but they don't know how to end it. And this, I, I think, *Saturday Night Live* is. Yeah, there. You know, people have said this kind of thing too. You know, but, you got, you got it. You start. You had an idea. You started it. You developed it. You had a great middle, a beginning, but you didn't know how to end it. And uh, in *Monty Python*, every once in a while, they just—they look at each other and going, "Well, oh, I guess we're done." They just—they <laughs> just, they just leave. So they don't even bother trying to end it. Uh, So maybe in this script, you know, they knew where they were going. They had a good middle, but the end, they just didn't have a good way to end it.
0: Right. I think you might be right.
1: So they just kind of rushed it. But there was enough good stuff in the beginning and the middle that they moved forward with it. All right. Anything else? Nope. No, that's it.
0: All right. What are we doing next week?
1: Well, Donovan, how about doing uh, Gold Key? Uh, we've got, uh, as you pointed out off recording, uh, we've got four more issues, so let's do 58 and 59. Sounds good.
0: Excellent. So we're coming very
1: close to the end of Gold Key. I will miss it once we move beyond it.
0: Yeah, so we still have a, a few more UK strips, and then we'll be done with that too, so.
1: Good. So we've so. almost finished with our semi Castroil.
0: <laughs> yes, the ones that we just get through. <laughs> well, sometimes they're good. Yeah, sometimes... But they're, they're good. all good.
1: It's all good.
0: Right. Yeah, they all have the Trek branding, so we're going to like them a little bit, no matter what.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no matter how lame the stories are.
0: Yeah, just like season three of original series. Oh, my God. Yeah. We still stayed up late, some weekday night, to try to watch it when I was a kid.
1: Uh-huh.
0: You know, just because it was Star Trek.
1: Yeah. So... There was a YouTube video from a British-based channel. And those guys are great. I I love them. They they do more than just Star Trek. But they did an episode that was the episodes that the actors said they most regretted filming. Okay. (laughs) And, of course, multiple Season 3 Taws made it. A Deep Space Nine made it. Oh, Voyager! There was a Voyager in there. And, was it uh, the Salamander one? It was the Salamander one, exactly. The Salamander one, you know, exceeding warp nine point yeah. nine nine or whatever, yeah. or exceeding warp ten. And then Armin Shimmerman was very embarrassed over a Ferengi-focused one, where basically he's in he's in drag. It's like him and Mookie, his mother, yeah, have some kind of thing, and somehow for some reason he's in he's he's in women's clothing.
0: Yeah, I remember that one.
1: Which is interesting because women are supposed to be naked, right, with Frankie? Right. And I don't know what what all that was, but it was like he hated it just because it was so sexist and like the dress had you know big stuffed breasts and things. (laughs) But they talked about Spock's brain,
0: season three. Nice. Nice. Your favorite.
1: My favorite episode. My most hated episode, even more than the Salamander one. Yeah, Voyager Salamander one. Um, Right. God, Spock's brain was dumb. So that that was the one that Leonard Nimoy really hated. For good reason. Yeah, I could see it. Yep.
0: All right, anything else? Nothing else. All right, well, thank you everybody for listening, and we'll be back next week with some gold key. Excellent. See you next week. Later.
1: Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. second name book review see you next time on Star Trek comic book
0: review Let's get the hell out of here